Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you humans as well. Welcome to the show that brings you creepypastas, short scary stories, and dark horror-themed poetry from all across the world. This is the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 12, The Girl in West Kalen. I'm your host and narrator, Ghost Train, telling you to lock your doors, get under your blanket, and keep the lights on. If you want to write in and have your email read on the show, email slaughterhousestoriespodcast at gmail.com with creepypasta requests, your own horrific recommendations, or your own real-life paranormal encounters. Now, let's get spooky. Tonight's first story is a tale about a group of friends going into the woods for a night of ghost stories and a prank. A prank went very, very wrong. Stay close to the campfire and enjoy some s'mores. While you listen to this story by an unnamed author, please enjoy. I have to tell you something. I have to tell you something. Sorry, I need to tell you something. A secret. About a place near where I live. Just around the corner, actually. It has taken me two years to finally tell you this. You don't have to believe me. I understand that it may sound crazy. All I know is that I will never go there again. Not at night anyway, for I have experience what lies within those endless trees. I was 14. I had heard rumors about the woods, and my mother had told me not to go in there, not even in the daylight. She told me it was dangerous. I used to always defy my mother, so I went in there with a couple of friends one night. The walk there was fine. I was eager to go to the so-called dangerous woods. When we reached our destination, my heart actually began to thump against my chest. The woods looked terrifying at night. I stood horrified amongst my friends. I no longer wanted to go inside. The trees towered over us, its branches like open arms welcoming us into darkness. It was too dark to see what lied within them. Not even the moon could light up the shadows. I had an uneasy feeling about the woods, and I begged my friends to go home. As you might guess, it pissed them off. I had dragged them out there, and now I was backing out. It's not like me to back out of things, but I did not want to go into these woods. We argued amongst ourselves. My friends were all against me, and thus the decision was that we go into the woods. And so, in we went. The next morning, news broke out that a group of 14-year-old boys had been butchered to death in the woods. I felt nothing for them. I told them I did not want to go into the woods. I told them I had an uneasy feeling about the place. I was scared. I remember it so clearly. The four of them had decided to tell ghost stories just to add to my fear. One told of a man who lived in the woods, a lover for children's flesh. He would take them from behind when they were wandering through the woods alone and would 
That's when my friends decided to run off. I chased after them, trying to follow their laughter. It wasn't long before my ears had guided me into another direction, and silence surrounded me. I was so scared that I began to cry. Not something that a 14-year-old boy should be doing, but I was fucking scared. My eyes couldn't adjust to the light, and I was left standing in what seemed like an endless black fog. This is how I pictured hell. I couldn't stop thinking about that story. I had horrible thoughts of how it ended. I was convinced it was real. Terrified, I started a slow jog through the woods, but sprinting just makes it feel even scarier. I picked up a rather large branch that had obviously snapped off one of the trees. Not much of a weapon, but it would have to suffice. Then, I tried to find my way out. It seemed like I'd been running for ages. Maybe I'd been running in circles. I tried turning around and running in a different direction. After maybe a few hours of running, I saw a light through the trees. A street light. I gave a sigh of relief and sprinted towards the light. When something grabbed hold of my shoulder, my heart stopped. I stopped breathing. My eyes were glued to that light. So close, I let out a tear. It laughed, then thriller laughs followed. It was my friends. They continued to laugh and start to jeer. Out of pure anger, fear, and humiliation, I gripped onto that broken tree branch, and I beat all four of them to death. I could not see their blood, but I could smell it. I smiled. You don't have to believe me. I understand it may sound crazy. Or maybe... I'm crazy. He warned them. He told them it was dangerous. And it was a bad idea to go into the woods. They should have listened. But instead, they were just another cautionary tale. But come on. They deserved it. Didn't they? Speaking of people getting what they deserve, let's move to the next story. This one tells us of a man who's ready to make his mark in the world of boxing, training hard every day and waiting for his opportunity. That opportunity finally comes, but it doesn't end the way he expected. Bob and weave and cover up while I tell you the tale of The Boxer. One, two, one, two, punch. It's hard being a newcomer in the boxing world. Getting beaten up by other boxers isn't easy. Being scolded by your coach whenever you lose a match is a hard pill to swallow. The hardest thing, though, is constantly letting your family down to the point that they won't even acknowledge you or tune into your matches. After losing so many matches, it does things to your brain. Kind of breaks you down, really, but I was determined. I will be a great boxer, the best boxer, a champion boxer. Sweat trickled down my forehead as I faced the reflection of myself in the mirror and shadow boxed. I was shuffling to the left and swinging to the right, assaulting the air in front of me. I had an important match ahead of me today, my final match to be precise. His name was Edward Cartagino, a famous European boxer who I challenged in an attempt to just fly to the top of the food chain. He was about five foot ten, muscular, had brown wavy hair, and he was fast. By fast, I mean he would throw a punch 
and you wouldn't even realize what had happened to you until you get up off the floor, disoriented. I could take him and beat him. I will do everything I can to make it to the top. Everything, I proclaimed to my reflection. I put on my yellow and black boxing gloves and laced on my jet black boxing shoes. Edward entered the locker room while I was gearing up. He stopped and chuckled. He walked straight up to me and shoved me up against the lockers. Listen here, rookie. There's no way you can beat me. I only accepted your challenge to make a trolling fool out of you. I'm going to break you down and make you quit being a boxer because sissies don't belong here. He laughed and strolled out of the locker room with such relaxation because he didn't view me as a threat. His words cut into my brain and were all I thought of from now until the match was over. I am a threat. As I made my way to the ring and made my pre-match preparations, the show lights came on and the bell finally rang. There I was at my corner, squaring up to Edward, gloves held high, ready to block any of his lightning-fast strikes. He quickly jetted towards me, and without even giving me a chance to react, he struck a blow to the left side of my ribs. The shock crippled me as I heard my own bones crack inside of me. As I fell, he struck a blow to my face. My head whiplashed backwards with such force that the discs C8 and C7, those had been dislocated in the past, which is why I knew their names. Near my spine were moved at a place. I fell to the floor, crippled by the early blow. This can't be happening to me. I am a threat. Before I finished uttering the words, he quickly bolted over me and swung downward. He punched me straight on my chest, over my heart. I crashed onto the floor, with my heart unbeating due to the impact of the punch. I heard the ringing of the bell, signaling that the match was over. Flashes of light surrounded me, and I heard the steps of his victory. I was asked if I was okay. I didn't speak. They shook me around. I didn't move. They looked into my eyes. I didn't blink. They assumed I was unconscious, not realizing that Edward not only snatched my hopes and dreams, but my life. I was lifted up and brought to the locker room. No attention was brought to my slightly loose head dangling from their arms. They placed me over the locker room benches. My skin was starting to grow pale white, and the parts of my body that were struck by his hits were now black and blue. A trickle of blood slipped down the sides of my mouth, hitting the floor and eventually gathering up into a puddle. Two hours passed and I was still in the locker room, lifeless. Nobody knew I was in here. In fact, everybody had left. They completely forgot about me, dead, in the locker room. I was alone until Edward walked in to grab his extra boxing gloves. Still in the locker room hung over his lustrous metallic locker. He stumbled across my body and he chuckled, just like he did before the match. He lifted me up, and I heard the opening of doors as I was brought somewhere. What was he going to do with me? Hadn't he done enough? Cold air brushed against my body, and then I was surrounded by pizza boxes, booze, tissues, and plastic bags. I was thrown into a dumpster. Although I was lifeless, I was furious. Absolutely furious. I was furious that I'd lost to him. Furious that he didn't respect me. Furious that he desecrated my body. As I lay in the dumpster, he leaned in and whispered into my pale white ear, I broke you, and you will never return to boxing. Sissies don't belong here. As he walked away, he heard the sound of trash bags being thrown against the red brick walls. He turned around to see my pale white, black and blue body jet straight up out of the dumpster. 
I violently snapped the moved vertebrae into place. This snap and pop caused Edward to cringe. As I relocated, my own dislocated head into place, I lifted my head up high, looked him straight in the face and grinned. I lifted my boxing gloves in front of my face and took two steps before jetting towards Edward. I was faster than him, stronger than him, and my moves were silent. He didn't realize what had happened until all he saw was my cold and dirty glove strike his face. Then nothing. I am a threat. Edward was never heard of again and was presumed dead. Investigation was put to an end after two months of searching for his body. As for me, I was never looked for. My body was never found as no one seemed to remember me. The arena was closed off after constant reports of boxers missing after matches. For those boxers, after their hard-won matches, all they heard was a voice whispering, I am a threat. He should have stuck to shadow boxing, but now he is the shadow and waiting for new opponents. So be mindful of what gym you work out in and stay out of the alley. Or don't, makes no difference to me. There are plenty of seats here for the souls of the damned. Speaking of the damned, it's time for this week's horrific recommendation. For this week, I want to recommend an indie project, a film called The Sawyer Massacre. It's an unofficial and fan-made prequel to one of the greatest horror movies of all time, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The synopsis on the Indiegogo page says, While recovering from the loss of someone close, Jimmy's friends bring him to the Texas countryside to escape city life. In need of supplies for their cabin, they ascend to a gas station, where they are directed to find their supplies in an isolated farmhouse. The property is not as it seems. They find themselves hunted by a cannibalistic psychopath with an arsenal of violent tools at his disposal. If any live through the nightmare, they'll wish they hadn't. Now that sounds like a movie I want to watch right now. Currently, at the time of recording, it's at 6% and there are 43 days left to donate. I already plan to donate, and we'd like you guys to help this project out if you can. It's always important to support the horror genre. Head over to Indiegogo.com and search for The Sawyer Massacre and donate today. Now that I've given you this week's recommendation, let's take a trip down to open mic night at Basil Pump. Welcome fiends to open mic night at Basil Pub, where we invite you to sit right here and go into the more poetic side of fear. Poems of murder, creatures, and ghosts. All the things that scare you the most. The first poem on open mic night is about a parent trying to get their child to sleep. Sleeping in the same bed because of how scared the child is. And the parent just wants to show that everything is okay. Except it isn't. And to end open mic night will be a poem by Culpick. We find someone face to face with the Grim Reaper. Not ready for their life to end just yet. But then they learn what really happens at death. Enjoy the verses, the rhymes, and the flow. While you listen to, go to sleep, child, and bow your head. What's wrong, my child? Oh, could it be 
that the shadows on the walls become monsters that you see. Just a trick of the mind. No need to fuss. Just settle down. And please, dear, do hush. It's the third time this week that you've said there were ghosts and creatures that lurk in search of a host. You've seen too many movies, read too many books. Our house is safe from killers, yes, even ones with hooks. I know that it's raining. I know that it's cold. But that noise is the house. Remember, it's old. Go to sleep, child. No, I need sleep too. Please relax, sweetheart. Nothing will come get you. Okay, fine, I'll stay with you here tonight. And now, are you ready? I'll turn off the light. See, there's no monsters. See, there's no frights. You will not wake up with big scary bites from creatures that scurry, scamper, and crawl from beings that live inside of our wall. Although, do you see that? No, it must be a trick. I thought I saw something, but it vanished real quick. What do you mean? That what I saw was real. You saw it too. You say it once a meal. I think being here is starting to spook me. But I know I won't be eaten. Just like I'm a cookie. I'll just ignore that shape in the window. I'm certain it's just the trees when the wind blows. But wait, did you hear it? That was a moan. And now there's a voice. Okay. No, no, no. I know there's no monsters under the bed. There's no creatures lurking. Nothing wants us dead. Just settle down, hun. Morning comes soon. But then there's tomorrow. There'll be a full moon. Now I feel chills. Let's just try and rest. Don't you think that that'll be best? Yes, that's it. Close your eyes tight. And avoid having nightmares with all of your might. But I'm still awake. For how can I slumber? When I just saw something from under. The bed where we sit. The bed where you sleep. I saw its red eyes, but it didn't make a peep. No, I'm just paranoid. I had too much coffee. I'll just try and pretend there's no hand now on me. Oh, it was you. What was the matter? Could you not sleep with all of my chatter? I'm sorry, sweetheart. Don't let me wake you. Just dream of bright sunlight against a sky that's blue. Get some rest for me, for I know I won't. Trust me, I do want to. It's not that I don't. But I see a figure sitting in your chair with skin very pale and dark stringy hair. With fingers so long, with eyes black as coal. It's like there's nothing in the sockets, just two small holes. Still, she's staring at me. I don't know what she wants. Who is she? Why did she die? Why is it your room she haunts? But we'll be all right, my child, for I think I have a plan. Tomorrow night, my dear child, We'll go sleep at Grand's. You scratch your head in consternation, furrow your brow and respond with a question. You've come to me on this desolate night to usher me through a tunnel of light. It shakes its head, brandishing a scythe. Your head I will take for my tithe. What's this? You cry. What have I done? It opens its shroud. Your time has come. Within its shroud there is nothing at all, but a beating heart as black as nightfall. You stumble back. You scream. You shout. It says, It is not like you to pout 
Now bow your head. I will take it quick and mount it on a sharpened stick. It will adorn my wall with the other fallen until it's quite withered and shrunken. When it slipped down and your chin touches stone, I will throw it into the pit of bone. There it will lie till it turns to dust. Then into the wind it will go, it must. To spread through the world, each granule and flake, and seek out the newly born nature will make. The children of creatures that swim, fly, or crawl will take into themselves part of your all. You will split, divide, and grow within, and become a soul so life can begin. The seed that made you good and whole will repeat the cycle and further its role. Astonished, amazed, befuddled, and humbled, you ponder your life and the times you stumbled. All you've seen, where you've been, what you've done, it all grew from a part of one. Your eyes are now open, you see the way. You must now depart, you cannot stay. You bend at your waist, bow your head, and think of all the lives you live when you're dead. So now we know how the cycle of life really goes. Which means, I should have already gone into a new body. Hmm. I need to text my lawyer, Mr. Morningstar, about this. But anyway, while I wait for him to call me, let's move on. Before we get to tonight's main feature, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave a review through iTunes and help spread the word to your friends, family, everyone at the compound getting ready to drink the punch, whoever. Tell them, be a listener, not a victim. And now it's time for another trip into the Newcastle Chronicles. This month's story from the Newcastle Chronicles introduces us to a very lonely man. All he wants is someone to love, and for them to love him back. Listen as Peter talks about meeting his dream girl, Lucy, while they celebrate their anniversary. Try not to weep at this heartwarming love story. The Girl on West Kalen. Happy anniversary, baby. I can't believe it's been two amazing years together. Don't give me that look. You're right, though. The first year wasn't perfect. We had our ups and we had our downs. But you know what? It brought us where we are today. I can remember the first time I saw you. About six months before I asked you out. I just came out of the Wawa on West Kalen Street. Looking at my phone. Like an idiot. But something made me look up. And there you were. Walking on the other side of the street. On your way to work. You were so beautiful. Long, shining blonde hair. Beautiful gray eyes that you can get mossed in. Baby, your eyes are still my favorite part of you. A smile that can make anyone forget their troubles and just fall under your spell. And that's what happened. I fell under your spell. For the next few days, I made sure to be at that Wawa every day at that exact time, watching you walk by and hypnotize me. Rain didn't matter. The hot summer sun didn't matter. I just had to have my glimpse of you. Finally, I got smarter and walked a few blocks up West Kalen Street just to see where you were coming from. I was so afraid I was going to miss my lady of West Kalen and was ready to turn around 
when you came walking out of your apartment building. And so it was for the next few weeks, every day at the same time, walking down the street together, on separate sides, but in my mind, so close. Making sure you got to your bus stop safely, waiting around at night to make sure you got home safe. And I've never told you before, but there was a few times I had to deal with a few unsavory people that were following you. A mistake they never made again. Then I finally built the courage to speak to you, making it seem like a chance encounter, where we simply bumped into one another as I was leaving the store. You helped me pick up the things in my bag that fell out. I told you my name, Peter. Then I learned the name of my muse, my angel, Lucy. From that day on, it was Peter and Lucy. Like I said, we had the ups and downs. When things were up, they were so great. Going to the movies, to dinner, picnics in the park. TV on the couch in your, our apartment. When they were down, it tore me up inside. I hated when you were mad at me. Whether it was I didn't take the trash out, or I told your coworker Jennifer to fuck off when I didn't like what she said, or me not caring when no one had heard from Jennifer ever again. The fights were bad, but it just showed our passion for each other. Of course, we saved our biggest fight for last. I think about that night all the time. The anger in your eyes when you found my trunk of mementos. Locks of your hair. A few toenail clippings. Pictures of you sleeping from before we met. The keys to Jennifer's house. Your boss's wedding ring. Silly things like that. Things that, to me, showed just how much I love you. But for some reason, you didn't see it that way calling me hurtful names like creep and stalker instead of loving names like protector and admirer. I couldn't understand why you were so angry, why you wanted to break things off, why you kept pushing me towards the door, telling me to get out of your house. This is our house, baby. Still, I shouldn't have pushed you back. I shouldn't have let you lay there for as long as I did after you hit the table. But doing the wrong thing turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to us. Ever since, we've grown so much together. We never fight anymore. Everything's been perfect. And a year later, on our two-year anniversary, I love you more today than I did then. And the best part, I go to sleep every night with you, keeping me safe, keeping me warm, your skin wrapped lovingly around me. And the last thing I see before I fall asleep, and the first thing I see when I wake up, is those beautiful gray eyes staring at me from the jar on the nightstand. Happy anniversary, Lucy. I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, it gets me every time. I think we all wish we could find true love like that. Wait, Peter has her body, but... Is Lucy's soul single? Hmm. Now I believe there's enough scares for this week. I hope you will join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you afraid during the day and awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories that I had for you tonight. And until next time... Stay spooky.